Those lovely notes from Giuseppe Verde. Meantime, for another edition of Serie A Sit Down, World Football Index's podcast of Calcio told like it is at the highest level. Frank Crivello here. Uh, glad to be back. We decided to uh, take a little hiatus uh, uh, over the international break. Usually we're working and we try to put something together. We thought this time, ha, ah, let's give it a rest. Um, as uh, I'm sure my co host Richard Carmen uh, would attest to and appreciate. Ciao, Richard. Ciao, Frank. Uh, you may have taken a rest. I was busy working uh, in the yard, but that's part of that's part of being a husband and wife, right? Well, that's just it. You're 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 getting everything out of the way before that baby arrives. Uh, Raised right. garden, knee surgery. You're just <laughs> international you're, break. Get it all out of the way. Yeah, yeah. There's there, there was no rest for you. International break for me. Yeah, I'll take a little siesta. Uh, the uh, I, I I I I could not have cared less about. I could not have cared less about two Italy friendlies than the ones that they just played. How about you? I agree wholeheartedly. I, I didn't. I paid very little attention to. Um, I know people were making uh, comments about the uh, different results throughout the the weekends, and I was like, I don't care. It's it's friendlies. You know, when the when the when the time comes, these big teams will play how they're they're supposed to play. So I'm not worried. Yeah, I mean, it's just uh, you know, I mean, it's just that it's it, it just didn't do anything for me. There's no World Cup. Um, it just felt like a big, big waste of time. I think a lot of people were very disappointed, uh, in large part with how the Azzurri played over those two games. Um, I saw you a know, stick about also Buffon starting in, in a friendly. People were like, "Why isn't Donnarumma starting?" And maybe it's a swan song. Okay, let the guy, yeah. the guy, the guy can do whatever he wants. He's a legend. Yeah, you know, he's one of those that uh, he's at the point where you gotta, you know, the toy needs to be taken away from him. He, you know, you're not. Uh, uh, or or he has to be willing to give it up, um, rather than the toy being taken away from him. He's 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 earned that he's earned that right, uh, you know. But um, but yeah, give him a farewell game and uh, you know two nil defeat to a to a messy less Argentina, uh, a, a Dybala and uh, Icardi less uh, Argentina for that matter. Richard, what did, what 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 is that that manager uh, Sampaoli on about with uh, not including Dybala and uh, Icardi? Did you read about that stuff? Yeah, and it, I mean, I guess something to do with the Icardi is it's something to do with uh, Messi not liking him, and there's friction because of the Maxi Lopez situation. But the, the yeah, but they called him. But, yeah, but they did. The, uh, Icardi did get called up. Oh, did he? Uh, for some qualifiers several months ago. Right, right. But I guess there were some just some real dumb comments that Sampaoli made in regard to why he didn't select uh, either. Either Dybala or Icardi, if that's what I recall, just kind of going back and looking at it. Icardi's one of so. the best strikers in the world. He's probably the best striker on that team other than Messi. Um, you, can, you can say about Kunagüero what you want. And then Dybala, he's a playmaker. And then obviously Papa Gomez is another name that was, was not on the team. So uh, I just hate for the Italian game, it seems like. Well, if, if there's anybody that wasn't complaining about Dybala not getting called up for Argentina, it's Juventini. Uh, and Massimo Allegri and, yeah, yeah. And, and and the like. It's like, go ahead, don't let him. You know, don't 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 take him. We we're more than happy with that. We need him for the we need him for the run in. Uh, and uh, that'll just and that fire him where, up. Yeah, that'll just fire him up. And that's uh, where we're going to begin with Juventus taking on AC Milan. 
uh, a clash of two teams that were both just in scorching form. Uh, you know, Juventus going into this game, and this was the last game uh, of the 10-day slate. All 10 games played on Holy Saturday, um, you know, with Serie A taking off uh, for the Easter break. Um, I'd say I'd ask you how your Easter was, except uh, uh, it sounds like you spent the whole weekend putting in a raised garden, so you, you probably didn't have the greatest of Easters, did you? No, no, but I was at home. I wasn't working, so I guess uh, in that respect it was good. So, uh, yeah, it was fun. I mean, ultimately – I saw the what the job that I did and I felt happy about it, so it was all right. Uh, my daughter threw up all over the place, so that's how my Easter went. <laughs> Sorry <laughs> so, about that. <laughs> so, a little too early for uh, bourbon for her, I guess. I think um, so. No, 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 child <laughs> services. Don't. It was a joke. Knock it off. <sighs> don't start losing your shit. Uh, so. Anyway, uh, Juventus and Milan uh, headlined things. It was the last of the 10 games all played on Holy Saturday. Serie A as a tradition does not play on Easter Sunday, as I mentioned. Um, two teams, as I said, just in just unbelievably scorching forms. Maybe the two, it can be said, the two form teams of Serie A. Juventus on an unbeaten run, and not only that, but just not conceding goals in Serie A. Uh, Milan on an unbeaten run themselves, just trying to make a furious charge uh, here for a Champions League place. Uh, on paper, you would say it's at the J, uh, and that uh, this could be um, uh, done and dusted pretty quickly, or or advantage Juventus, which Paula Dybala did make sure of in the eighth minute. Dybala! Dybala! Con il sinistro dal limite! Batte Donnarumma e porta in vantaggio la Juve all'ottavo minuto! Now, good players, Richard, are going to take their opportunities when they happen, right? Uh, but, I mean, I think something needs to be said about Milan in this situation. Um, rather shocking defensively. Uh, I saw Dybala score. It was a good goal. I'm not going to take anything away from Dybala. You've got to take that chance. Uh, but it looked way too easy for him to be able to slip between the lines like that. they got to know that this guy has got a shot on him. Um, he can shoot from any range and... And with that goal that he scored, he scored, I think, seven goals from outside the box in Serie A, according to Opta, Opta Paolo. Um, he's, it's funny that it's Opta Paolo and Paolo Dybala scores. Uh, a guy with that kind of talent, that kind of power in his shots, he cannot be left alone. you got to have a man on him at all times. They know better than that. He's burned them before with similar kind of goals. Uh, so it's, it's unexcusable to have a guy of that talent open. doesn't matter how far away he was. He was outside the box. Still, it doesn't matter. Get on him and cover him and get the option away. Where's the blame there? I mean, is it Belia? Is it, or is it, you know, Romagnoli was occupied by Iguain, which was part of the problem. It's got to um, be the number six. It's got to be uh, the defensive midfielder in that situation. Yeah, yeah. And I think that that was one where Belia just had a little bit of a slip up and, 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 and just the midfield and the defensive lines there just weren't, uh, weren't compact enough. Um, you know, yeah, and, and yeah. Dybala found that space and took the advantage. Do you think Donnarumma should have done a little better there? He should have. It's almost like he was unpre- didn't realize that Dybala was going to try to take that kind of shot. He should have known better. Um, it was a great great shot by Dybala, but uh, I thought Donnarumma, with his capability, his potential, uh, he, he should be able to get that one, and he didn't. He, it just looked like he got him flat-footed. Yeah, indeed, indeed. So, you know, uh, great players are going to take their chances when they present themselves. That's exactly what Dybala did. He took advantage of Milan getting just loose enough to allow him to have a chance uh, to give the old lady the lead just on eight minutes. Um, and uh, 20 minutes later, it was it was Juventus up 1-0, but they were seeding possession. They were letting Milan have the ball. Rossoneri were, were getting forward. They're generating some chances. 
uh, an Andre Silva, what appeared to be an Andre Silva goal, correctly uh, ruled a handball. Um, uh, some other uh, some other opportunities in this game as well uh, for Milan, but then it came down to a corner kick, uh, and a familiar face popped up for the equalizer. Chiama lo schema, parte il traversone, colpo di testa e gol proprio di Leonardo Bonucci, proprio lui, l'ex zittisce i fischi e pareggia per il Milan. To quote uh, Richard Whittle, who was on the who 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 was doing the play-by-play -play, uh, for the feed that I got. If it was going to be anybody, right? Uh, Leonardo Benucci scores the first goal against Juventus in Serie A in the calendar year 2018. How fitting is that? It's very fitting. Uh, and scores at the J Stadium. Who know? Uh, of course, of all the Milan players, he'd be the best one known to try to score in the, at that stadium. Uh, he ends their streak of 959 consecutive minutes of uh, scoreless uh, Serie A wow. action. So. That's uh, second best to Juventus' record in 2016 when they had 974. Uh, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's great stuff to, uh, from Bonucci. Uh, and then the way he goes and celebrates with the Milan fans. And yeah, the he, wasn't, he wasn't doing that, uh, this is my old team, I'm not going to celebrate thing. Yeah, he was, yeah. <laughs> He's like, screw you guys, I'm celebrating. <laughs> Especially with the uh, treatment he was getting from the fans, which, which, had, which was expected, just getting whistled uh, at just about every touch of the ball. Uh, throughout this game, but uh, you know, pinpoint uh, ball in from Chalhanalu uh, and uh, Bonucci getting the equalizer there to make it one-one, and uh, we suddenly have a game on our hands. And then uh, uh, that's what the score would be at halftime. Uh, and then uh, uh, Massimiliano Allegri uh, draws his first card or plays his first card, uh, and that is in the form of Juan Cuadrado. Was it Juan Cuadrado? No, he came on in the 61st minute. Excuse me. Douglas Costa uh, coming yes. on for Stefan Licksteiner. Uh, it set Juve up in more of a four-man defense, moving Barzali out to the right-hand side. Uh, Douglas Costa applying some pressure, and it started to pay off as Juve started to come into this game more from a possession standpoint. Milan just kind of was as you were uh, and nearly took the lead through Chalhanalu. Uh, getting the ball on a counterattack uh, was played in by Andre Silva, was 1v1 with Barzali, striking from distance and hitting the post. It falls to Suzo, who tries to pick up the near post of Buffon's goal. Buffon reacts just in time yeah. uh, with I, the, the save of the game, because what kind of dynamic is this if either Chalhanalu uh, or, uh, or Suzo uh, convert their chance there and Milan are up 2-1. What, what does that do to the dynamic of the game? It turns up the tension on Juventus even more. They're going to start playing like uh, uh, trying to be too precise and making uh, error shots and shooting too high, just trying too hard at that point. Uh, so they got lucky in that one because uh, uh, it would have been very interesting to see the dynamic in that. Now, you would never count a team out like Juventus out, but it would certainly made things a lot more difficult because Milan's confidence would have been through the roof at that point, and then they would have started making tackles, um, get to the balls quicker, and then it would have made it a lot more difficult for Juventus, no doubt. Yep. Juan Cuadrado does come on in the 61st minute and replaces Blaise Matuidi, so another um, another player to give them some, uh, some width, some pace, uh, and some work ethic, and this is a very notable substitution. Um, this further enhanced... Uh, Juventus's formation going forward and trying to generate chances, and clearly the way Allegri was substituting Richard, he was the aggressor. This is what we were seeing from Gattuso in Milan's winning run. Right. In these games that were tight or they were tight, 
He would be the aggressor. He would bring on a second striker. Instead, he went like for like. Kalinic in for Andre Silva. That baffled me. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't get that one. Uh, th- this one, you saw exactly what Allegri wanted. And he wants a Scudetto. Uh, he played. He played for the win. He didn't play for get a result or anything. Uh, he knows what he has in his in his hands right now, and he says, uh, with the results from the game from early in the game, early in the early in the day, he knew that if he gets a win, this you can pretty much lock up Scudetto at this point, and that's what he went for. It just attack players or attacking players. Uh, it was really good to see from that perspective. Indeed, and from Juventus side, I would say. Indeed, and he would make just one more substitution with uh, Bentancourt coming in uh, for Miralem Pjanic. That was pretty much a like for like as far as the midfield was concerned. Um, maybe getting somebody to give uh, Kadira a little bit more help, figuring the trio of Douglas Costa, Paulo Dybala, and uh, uh, Juan Cuadrado having you know doing some of the playmaking and maybe doing some of the creative stuff going forward. Pjanic was no longer needed. Um, so all smart substitutions by Allegri, and in the end, one of his substitutes would pull the old lady ahead. Dentro d'esterno per Kedira, il traversone sul secondo palo, Quadrado! Juan Guillermo Quadrado riporta in vantaggio la Juve al minuto 79, esplode l'Allianz Stadium! La Juve è sul 2-1! Juan Cuadrado in the 79th minute puts Juventus in front, two goals to one, and then that's when uh, Catuso finally decides, okay, I might as well bring in another striker, and he brings on uh, brings on Patrick Cutrone to try to uh, get this thing back, brings him on for Chalhanalu, which, uh, which puzzled me. I, I loved the situation that Milan had being able to counter through Chalhanalu uh, against Barzali. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think that I don't think that that was worth sacrificing. Pains me to say it. I probably would have gone the other direction. If you were going to bring out one of those wingers, I would have brought out Suzo. I mean, what was that? That felt like a panic sub. Didn't that feel like a panic sub to you? Yeah, it did. And it wasn't so well thought out because if you really thought about it, again, Berzali against Chalhanalu, uh, it's a no-brainer for everybody involved, unless you're a Juventus fan, because the speed and the creativity by Chalhanalu is going to embarrass Berzali. Yes, Berzali defensively, is, uh, position-wise, is astute and could probably uh, do well against it, but you got to like the pace of Chalhanalu in that situation. Now, on the other side, you got you know Suzo against what was it, Alexandro, who was playing left wing. Um it's going to be a, pretty much a wash in that situation. So I kind of, I'm kind of with you. If you have to take out a wing back, you would have to go with Suzo that in, in that respect, or uh, find some way to take out another midfielder uh, and try to give up that defensive uh, stability and, and go for more attacking and leave the two wingers there. So I don't know. And Juve would put this away in the 87th minute through Sami Kadira, giving them a 3-1 win. <sighs> I would say if you look at Milan on about the first 70 to 75 minutes, Richard, 3-1 is not fair. Correct. Um, go ahead. No, I was going to say, yeah, it's uh, they it, for a good part of the game, really, it was like it's fairly even. I mean, Milan had a lot of chances, especially after that first goal from Bonucci. Uh, they had their, their chances, and they're very much in this game. It, it, the, the 3-1 scoreline was uh, not in, at all indicative of how they played through the first 75 minutes. Then the champions breed came through and they they started pulling away, uh, but it was it was a, a definitely a health, a health or scout the game. Um, both teams had their chances and uh, for being on the road, Milan did well for most of the game. But to be, to beat to beat the champions, you have to play ninety plus minutes uh, against them, and they they fell short. They fell short on that that, that regard. Yeah. 
And I took a lot of I took a lot of shtick for for my tweet after the game saying Allegri adjusted Gattuso didn't, and I wasn't particularly specific. I guess my whole point here about Milan, and we'll talk about Juventus in a second. Um, I, I was hoping for a little more tactically than just subbing like for like, because the other substitution that concerned me with the way that Allegri was adjusting and moving men forward and trying to have Juventus grow into the game from a possession standpoint was taking off Bilia from Montalivo because, you know, in his in the latter stages of Montalivo's career, Richard, we, we give him a, a hard time for his attacking ability or for his passing ability because I always pick on him saying, Montalivo is always a guy that you're never going to see playing a penetrating pass. He's always going to play at five yards square or five yards behind him. I've been saying that about him for years. Um, although he's had a couple of assists this season, so we should give him some. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but Bilia, to me, is more capable of not only he, – he can maybe not – he can absorb that pressure a little bit, but he can also release that pressure with his passing and his, and his vision, his ability to see things. I think once that substitution got made, I think Juventus smelled blood. Exactly. Um, and it's not to slight Montalivo because later on in his career, he's been a better – ball winner you know um and he is and i'll give him some credit where credit is due you know for his level and for what he's capable and what he brings to the table he's reasonable in his ability to win tackles you know and and okay maybe that five yard pass doesn't really do anything but it does help milan keep the ball a little longer where bilia can win a ball and he can maybe try to find the first guy forward um, he seems to have a little more talent for that than montalivo does so when you take that element of the midfield out of the game Who's going to be that guy to help absorb, you know, to help release that pressure when Juventus is pushing players forward uh, and trying to put you under? Um, you know, so I felt that that was. Ugh, I, I I I wish we would have figured out a, a different way to do it. So. I would almost like to see Locatelli in that situation over Montalivo, just because he's done it before against Juventus and he's got the 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 itch to to rush up the pitch and, and try to get some opportunities offensively. So. I mean that's just that's just me. I mean you're it's really picking at straws here. I mean uh, it's it's a tough call either way, and uh, I agree with you ultimately that you know Allegri had the the one up on on Gattuso as far as tactically goes and, and substitutions and all that. Yeah, and, and people are and, and people came back and said to me and said, well, look at what Allegri gets to take from his bench, and look what Gattuso gets to take pull from his bench, and they said, it, fine, okay, but. Gattuso can be a little bit more he, – he's a good enough manager where he can be a little bit more creative than like for like. And like I said earlier, he has gone for it in 1-1 one, yeah, one games. Absolutely. You know, I mean, you're at the J, you know, and he played for the point instead of playing for the three points. Um, I would rather – I mean, it's just my own mentality. I want the three points. Absolutely. You know, I won't be bothered if I end, end with the point, but I'd rather – and with the point knowing that I tried to get the three. This was a point that he was hanging on to and ended up losing. Um, so as for Juventus, and we'll talk about Napoli here in a little bit, um, with, with their game against Sassuolo, back up by four points in the table with eight games to play and Napoli at home, we're back to saying this thing is done. We, we 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 said it was done like two or three weeks three weeks ago, and then after that, a little you know, Juve drew Spall and Napoli won, and then it's yeah. like okay, now it's a race again, but now it's over again. <laughs> uh, and I'm pretty much on that 
bandwagon now that's saying that it is over. I don't see unless there's some major, major hiccup with Juventus that I, it's their title. It's their yeah. what, seventh in a row, eighth in a row. What, I'm lost count. It's happened so many times now. Just ugh. can Milan look at this and say, hey, you know, we got we we hung in there for seventy to seventy five and played really well. Now Coppa Italia final against Juventus looming. Can they? Can they draw some strength from this, and can can they learn from their mistakes? And can you see them maybe upsetting Juve's bid for a fourth consecutive uh, domestic double? Oh, absolutely! I mean, uh, they got enough leadership in that room that, and guys who, or a guy who, who has done it before, um, and oh, two guys really with the manager, um, they've they've showed that they can play well against uh, tough teams. Um, you know, they they did well for against Juventus for seventy five minutes. They did well on the first time they played them. Um, it's it's really up for grabs, you know. That early in the season, they they, they got a win against Juventus uh, in the uh, that was a, no, it was last year. Um, but anyway, yep. uh, Milan has a, the the skills and the talent to beat Juventus. It's not it's not they're not playing at the J Stadium or the Lions Stadium. They're playing at the Olimpico. It's a neutral site. Uh, you don't have to worry about the daunting task it is to play in Turin. Um, and I, th- I believe Gattuso, his guys can do it. I, I honestly do, and that's just not me being a Milan fan. It's it's my my unbiased opinion because I think uh, Milan has a tactical wise, and they have the players. I mean, the two wingers, Chalhanalu and Suzo, have just been you know just feeding that offense and getting goals and getting getting points there and getting uh, plays and keeping possession. Uh, and it's important to do against Juventus. And if anything, this is going to hurt Juventus in the in in final in a way because maybe they see this as a 3-1 game and it was an easy win and maybe you won't take that game as hard as it would if it only won 2-1 or something, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I you know, I can agree with that for sure. You know, but – and I, I, I think that on a neutral site too, let's remember that. I mean, right. they're not going to have right. to go to the J to do this and, and, and that sort of thing. And then there's also the stigma is, you know, can Juventus beat Milan three straight times? It's awfully hard to beat a team three times in a row. Uh, you know, throughout the course of the season. Um, if there's a team that's equipped to do it, it certainly is Juventus. Um, <laughs> but, um, but, but, but there you have it. Now, midweek here, uh, before we get into the uh, wrap-up, because obviously we have all of the, uh, uh, we have all of the games uh, being replayed uh, uh, here at midweek from, uh, you know, from, from match week 27 following the, uh, the, the tragic passing of Davide Astori. Yes. Um, uh the Derby is Wednesday the fourth. Milan and Inter. Um, how do you see this? Let's let's preview the Derby here uh, because this is clearly the big one. Now Milan losing. This is a slip in terms of their pursuit of fourth because now they're eight points back of fourth. Yeah. Clearly, I'm going to go on a limb. If they fail to win this game, there's no Champions League next season. I already think there is no Champions League this season. Uh, they played. They they played like they were trying not to lose the Champions League spot against Juventus, and then they lost. Um, and now they're facing a team and in, and in Inter with Perisic and Acardi back to their old ways. Um, they're they're playing very very well right now, and so it's going to be difficult. I mean, even if they get a draw, I don't see them getting getting the getting up to the, um, the Champions League spot. It's going to be very very difficult trying to pass both Lazio and Inter. Uh, I don't see it happening at this point. If they had beaten Juventus, I could say, okay, it's still on. But uh, after that result against Juventus, it would take a miracle uh, performance by them and the two uh, catastrophic failures by Inter and Lazio for Milan to, to get the Champions League spot. But 
anything can happen. If they win, they're back in it. You know, because it's not out of the question with you know five points back with eight games remaining. Not out of the question for them. Um, but a, a draw or a loss, it's it's done, and it's right. you know they hang need, on to your to hang on to the Europa League place for dear life. So um, you know, so that's uh, that, that that's what we're looking at. So uh, having said that, are we uh, gonna are we gonna see the world in our red and black glasses for this derby on Wednesday? I am. I think they win two one. <laughs> I want to. I want to. Um... Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say 2-1 victory in Milan as well. <laughs> supposed to, we're not supposed to be using those four-letter words on the Serie A sit-down, Richard. We're supposed to be... We're supposed to be... We, I, want my, I want my son to be able to listen to this. <laughs> this is for the children. Oh, I forgot. Oops. Next time. It's a mulligan. So, I'll get a mulligan. So... All right. Well, we know that uh, Juventus have pulled away again. And that the title race is over again. Uh, and like we said about Milan, uh, unless they win the derby here against Inter at midweek, uh, they are looking forward to a Europa League place next season. So with those two teams aside, let's look ahead at, or let's have a look back at the rest of match week 30. And Richard, the uh, Juve-Milan game were four of 32 goals scored uh, on uh, on Holy Saturday there. Uh, but, uh, you know, Serie A is so boring and defensive, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a boring league. I, it's not entertaining whatsoever. <laughs> I don't know how we stay awake watching these games and watching these highlights. It's just incredible. Yeah, especially so. that Lazio game. Hmm. <laughs> I know. We'll get to that though. We'll get to that Lazio game, but how about we get to their uh to their capital counterparts in Roma as they had themselves quite a tussle. Yeah, so we had a team in Bologna that was who was hosting. Uh they're pretty much on beach mode we kind of agreed on cuz they're like mid table, they're not really going to challenge for any Europa League. They're not going to challenge for the uh for the relegation zone. So they're kind of like no man's land right now. So you think they're going to be not interested in this, right? And they're playing Roma, who has, uh, you know, they're trying to maintain that Champions League uh, spot in third. Uh, so Patrick Schick, he had an opportunity early in this one with a nice low shot from a Roger Nangolan pass. Uh, so things are looking going well at this, at this point. Um, then off of Alexander Kolarov corner kick, Daniele De Rossi had a strong header, but it was an equally strong save from Antonio Santuro, kept the score 0-0. Roma missed chances, led to an Eric Pulgar strike in the 18th minute that gave Bologna the lead. one nothing. Uh, looks like at this point, Frank, Roma were, had to get had to been woken up by that Pulgar goal there because uh, at the first 20 minutes, uh, they weren't, they were, while they were getting opportunities, they weren't finishing them. And that's, uh, we learned uh, many times that the soccer gods have to find a way to bite, you, bite, bite one back. <laughs> you know, you know that you know that Roma's losing when you go to Twitter and you see our good friend John Solano just absolutely ripping half of Roma's team a new one. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, hi, John. Uh, but uh, how about Eric Pulgar? Well, he's yeah. put together a nice he's put together a nice little season here for Bologna, and I, I wonder what kind of attention he may get in the summer. Um, French international, and uh, you know, certainly not going to. Not even going to shine the shoes of the French national team at this point with how deep they no. are. Um, but uh, you know, can be a serviceable player. Um, you know, to a you know to a Sampdoria, Fiorentina, you know, Atalanta type. Um, you know, if they're if they're looking and if they're seriously interested, he's got some set piece uh, quality to him. He's taken some corners. 
you know, and the goal he scored here was uh, was pretty well taken. Uh, you know, really a half chance uh, from the position that he was in, but he took it well. So, um, but yeah, uh, it was, uh, you know, here we go again with Roma and the whole mentality thing and uh, getting ready to lose to a team that they've got no business losing to. Yeah, and Roma, they tried. I mean, give them credit. They tried to respond quickly and off another Kohler off corner. Uh, somehow, some way from the two-inch line, Kevin Schrutman hits the post on an open net. Frank, have you ever done that in uh, in your rec league days? Never. Never. I mean, how is that possible? Is Never. Only, I, 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 mind-boggling. I don't know. Uh, hey, they're human. That's uh, that's what you take from it. Yeah, yeah. I did. I did coach a kid who had a ball like one yard and and the goal at her mercy, and she mishit it, and it somehow found a way to sky over the crossbar. <laughs> I've done that in hockey as well. So. <laughs> I and and uh, we ended up drawing the game nil nil, and we could have won one zero. And you made a run so. laps. No, no, oh. no. <laughs> I felt I felt bad. Um, <laughs> I felt bad. I was, uh, you know, I just, uh, just, I, I, I was trying, you, you, you don't, it's, it's, it's one of those things where, what, what do you say to the kid, you know? Blame, uh, the and, coach. And, blame the coach. Yeah, I guess blame me. I should have trained them on <laughs> bouncing a ball a yard in front of the goal where they use the inside of their foot and just tuck it in. So, and hit, you know, hit the top of the ball so it stays down. That's right. So, you know, but, uh, but what can you say? Um, no, it's uh, I, I, at least professionally, I've not seen a miss like that. So yeah, it was something by Strutman, but uh, Roma would pull one back finally after a nice give and go between Diego Perotti and Kolarov. Uh, the Argentine found Edin Dzeko for the goal. The game would end the one-one in a draw. Uh, fun little stat for this one: Bologna had lost 17 points after leading in games. Uh, they're the joint most in Serie A this season for giveaways. Uh, Roma, though, they um, they do get a point out of this one, but uh, I'm sure they would have liked three points instead of uh, getting just one point in this one. If Bologna didn't drop all their points, they'd be in six. They'd be they'd be in, in the they'd be in a Europa, Europa League place. That's crazy. Yeah, I know. Um, but they did this a lot last year too, Indeed. dropping points late. Indeed. So I mean, it's just it's a it's a weird thing. As as good as. Donadoni has been for Bologna. They really have a hard time finishing games, um, you know. And, and, and evidenced here, seventy sixth is maybe a little early. We, we've seen Bologna drop these points in the eighty fifth, eighty eighth, you know, stoppage time of the second half. But uh, um, but but yeah, it's a strange phenomenon here uh, for Bologna. And if you're a Bologna supporter, um, but uh, how about Aiden Jekyll just coming on and saying, "All right, you guys are." You guys are screwing this up badly. Let me come in and do this for you. Let me save you guys again. <laughs> so, so let me bail you guys out. So do you think Roma might have been uh, looking a little bit ahead to that trip to the camp? No? I think they were. I think they were. I mean, because Bologna is not a bad team, but it's a team you should be able to beat, uh, regardless if they're at home or away. It doesn't matter. Um, Roma have that kind of talent on their team, and you kind of want to have a uh, a good momentum going into a game like that. It's already got the odds stacked against you going against the Blaugrana, uh, but now you're going in there with a draw. You want to go in there with a win, and, and if they had a big win, it would be even better. Uh, but, hey, um, Isebu Di Francesco is going to have to find a way to rally the troops and, and get them ready for, for, the, for the limelight because uh, uh, whether they're ready or not, uh, Barcelona's coming. 
We should note that Raja Nangalan was a casualty in this game. Uh, 17th minute. Yeah. Uh, you know, brought off through injury. I did read that he was feverishly working to be fit uh, for the Champions League game against Barcelona. Uh, do we have any update on uh, on Nangalan in, in terms of that? Uh, except no, that- I didn't see any any updates with that. Still waiting on that. So maybe by tomorrow morning we'll get some uh, some news on that. But we in America call with other sports a game time decision. Correct. So, or a uh, your lineups actually are released an hour before kickoff. So a uh, lineup release decision, uh, you know, mm-hmm. on that one. So he'll have to do a late fitness test and uh, go through all the goods uh, in that one uh, to see uh, to see if he'll be able to play. Boy, he will be vital. Uh, to Roma's chances to try to get anything out of that trip to Barcelona on Tuesday. Absolutely. So, um, moving on, we had Atalanta hosting Udinese, um, and uh, Gasparini's men still uh, feverishly pursuing a uh, Europa League place, and uh, knowing that Milan were going to go to Juventus, and that the chances there were pretty good that they would come away with zero points. Atalanta with a chance to take advantage, uh, and. Uh, and get themselves close here and get themselves within striking distance. So um, Gasparini's men taking on Massimo Otto's team, who I think starting to worry about Udinese that the novelty might be wearing off just a little bit. But uh, looking at Atalanta, uh, and and if you saw this game, Richard, uh, how did Atalanta not come away winning this game at least 8-0? Two words, Albano Bizzari. Yeah, he was he was every bit as... He was every bit as terrific as uh, as, as as they needed him. Uh, came up with big save after big save after big save. Atalanta outshooting Udinese eighteen to four with eleven of those on target. Ooh. And let's just say this: Papu Gomez was dealing uh, yeah. in this game and desperate to get on the score sheet. Just uh, he came close on a couple of occasions in the first half. Um, but it, interestingly enough, nil nil at halftime, uh, and the breakthrough did not come until the sixty eighth minute. Uh, where Papu Gomez uh, chipped a ball where only Andrea Patania was going to jump up and get it on his head uh, to put Atalanta in front by a goal to nil. Um, six minutes later, oh, look, another center back scoring for Atalanta, Andrea Maciello. What is it with Atalanta and Lazio having center backs that score goals? They have the remedy that other teams need to follow because, uh, yeah, they get they get them scoring you know continuously, and not just one player; it's all their guys, all their defenders are scoring. So uh, yeah, Imasiallo has goals. Uh, Caldara, Paloy, they've all <laughs> yeah. scored. Um, yeah. And and who's the who's who's the schmuck that 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 barely plays? I think he got one in the Europa League. Yeah, he did. Um, I'm calling him a schmuck. I don't even know him. He's probably a really nice guy. I'm, was he even on the bench? He wasn't even on the bench. Um, so, yeah, yeah, that's that's crazy. But but anyway, uh, you know, two 0 for Atalanta, and this should have been about eight nil. Um, we did see a Musa Barrow uh, sighting here uh, for <laughs> Atalanta. He makes an appearance in the 89th minute. Is he related to Modu? Are we going to get into this thing with siblings again, like we did on the last one with the Berishas? I'm still I'm, I'm still on the Berisha thing, so I have, I have to get back to you. <laughs> I know we got corrected uh, during the week, uh, during the international break, but uh, still, I'm I'm still confused. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. The mystery of uh, the mis- are, are these siblings are, are are they siblings or are they not siblings? This edition, the Barrows. I know Modu Barrow was playing in 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 England for Swansea City for a little while, um, and uh, I see nothing on Musa Barrow except the fact that he's from Gambia. Um, if you know the answer, tweet us at Syria Sit Down. Yeah, help us. This is the next one that we're going to lose sleep over. 
So, well, let's look up Modu Barrel real quick. This is what we're t- spending our Half time our doing. He's Gambian are, as well. Yeah. He's Gambian. He's Gambian as well. <laughs> yeah, he, he's Gambian as well, and it looks like the same town. So, um, uh, I, I'll I'll go out on a limb um, and say that they're brothers. But somebody can correct us. Um, but anyway, uh, Atalanta percentage chance that they're going to hijack one of these uh, Europa League places. Very good. If I'm a if I if I'm a betting man, I'm gonna say it's a very good chance that they're gonna hijack one of these spots. Um, the way they're playing right now, they're 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 a very good team. We've seen that in in, in Europa League how well they played. Um, you see how they played against the top teams in the league th- this year. They're a very capable team, and right now they're they're all engines uh, um, on high, and they're they're taking down teams. They're getting lots of offensive opportunities. That just means they're going to score goals, and uh, it's going to make it difficult for uh, the teams that are above them to keep them away from them because uh, they need to keep getting results because Atalanta sure will. Yeah. Um, Milan might be trying to still feverishly pursue fourth and reach the Champions League, but they better watch their backs right now with Atalanta. Absolutely. Um, and the way they're coming up. Udinese, beach mode. Yeah, they've lost now six Serie A games in a row. It's only the third time in their history. The, free, the previous two times were back in the 61-62 campaign. That's mm. uh, not a good thing for Odo. I think you're right. Uh, the novelty has worn off with them. And it's it's a shame, too, because uh, his tactics match up perfectly with the youngsters that they have over there, the Eastern guys. And it's they're just, for whatever reason, they can't sew it up defensively. And that's kind of what the problem what he had in, in um, Pescara. He couldn't stop goals from coming in. I mean, Bizzotti right. did a great job, and he and he kept Papu Gomez off the score sheet for the most part. But uh, yeah, just the, the team can't find a way to score and can't keep the goals out. Mm. Just crazy, uh, but uh, but interesting to see now. Um, moving on to the next one, uh, Cagliari and Torino last season, Richard were the two worst defenses in Serie A. This year, they were both in, they they've both been better defensively, although one team's defense uh, had, had a little bit of a brain fart. Uh, uh, over the last 30 minutes of the game. Why don't you tell us about it? Yeah, so, you know, if I told you there going to be four goals by Torino on this one, it must have been a goal fest for Belotti, right? Wrong. At least a, at least a brace. At least a brace. Wrong. Uh, the closest Andrea Belotti would come to scoring was actually going to be the first half of 0-0. So second half, go to second half to the 61st minute, uh, when he had a shot that clangs off the post and right to Iago Falque, who bangs home the rebound one nothing for Torino. So you give him assist there, I guess, or maybe get this. Maybe the post gets the assist. Uh, just four minutes after that, uh, second half substitute Adam Lajic would double the Toros' lead. Falke would get the assist on the goal. Um, Fourteen minutes after that, it would be three nothing as Christian Ansaldi avoids four Cagliari defenders. How he did that, I don't know. And blast home a pa- blast at home past Alessio Cranio, who's had a decent season this season. So the fact that he let that in was uh, it was a little crazy. So three nothing at that point. Torino and cruise control, and they cap off the day with Adam Lajic lofting a pass to Belotti, who slides a pass unselfishly to John Obi, who was all by himself in front of the goal. Torino running rampant on the island. Torino's previous away win by a four-goal margin in Serie A came back all the way in 2016 of April, a 5-1 win away to Udinese, and no, Odo was not coaching that team then. No, no. The, uh, the doors blew open. Uh, you know, something, yeah. and, and I think it took the introduction because Lijic came out as a substitute and it just changed the dynamic of this game and Torino yeah. just, 
Torino just dominated from there. His passes uh, were – he was just pinpoint passes. Whatever he wanted to do with the ball, he was doing lofting passes, direct passes. I mean, he just had it on a string. Right. Um, you know, and Belotti might not have scored, but certainly very influential. Yes. Uh, you know, in this win. Uh, but you have that trio with uh, with Liaets. You have you have Iago Falca. You have Belotti. Um, you know, with the defense improving, it's a wonder. I mean, this is one of these teams that just have these budding stars. It's just going to be hard for them to hang on to these guys, especially Belotti. And it's just going to be the the fate of Torino. And it's going to really stunt any upward mobility that they have. Um, for Cagliari, though, um, you know, twenty nine points. They're relatively safe, but uh, they, they can't have any, they can't have too many more of these games. No, no, especially when uh, a couple of teams below them are actually trying to get wins now. Uh, there are teams that should be in Syria. They they just have a defensive problem. That's their main thing because they got some decent uh, players up in the attack, but uh, they need to get they need to get some trade out. Uh, you know. Uh, the manager's gotta to write the write the write the write the ship, if you will, because uh, it's gonna be a little too uh, scary if <laughs> coming down the stretch where you're gonna be forced to win. And when you when you're playing under high tensions like that, anything can happen. And it's usually not a, a good good result when it happens like when you play like that. When you're playing under duress, uh, so uh, they gotta find just find someone to get some points here down the stretch and uh, and keep these uh, four nothing uh, slaughterings from happening. Indeed. Um... Yeah, it's uh but uh you know they're 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 in a reasonable spot right now uh but going to start to sweat a little bit, you know, here over these uh you know only 5 points clear of safety at the moment, so uh you know something that they're going to have to uh, certainly get in order. Uh pressing on, uh we have Fiorentina hosting Crotone. By the way, all of the uh, Serie A teams a uh, moment of silence for former Fiorentina manager Emiliano Mondonico, uh, who passed away back on March 29th. Um, so uh, respect for the uh, uh, the former manager, uh, long managerial career here, uh, Richard, 31 years. Um, yeah. At many, many stops. Fiorentina, Fiorentina, one of the notable ones uh, in the 2003-2004 season. Um uh, but also a couple stops at Torino, Napoli, Atalanta, uh, uh, you know, among others. Uh, you know, playing career, Cremonese, many, many years, managed there for five years. Actually managed there two, two, two tours at Cremonese. Um, played at Atalanta, played for Torino. Uh, so, uh, you know, very well-traveled, but also very, very well-respected. Well uh, by his peers and well respected throughout Serie A, so um, you know, so uh, so certainly the uh, uh, the respect given by all twenty Serie A teams was very very appropriate. Uh, but uh, on to what happened on the pitch between Fiorentina and Crotone. Been a very inspired team uh, ever since the passing of their captain, playing really good football, and they put that on display here against Crotone in the third minute. It was Giovanni Simeone. Uh, putting La Viola up by th- by a goal to nil, they would double their lead and secure the three points in the 62nd minute through their wunderkind, uh, for lack of a better word, <laughs> Federico Chiesa. You're the polyglot. You like how I said that, right? Yeah, very nice, very nice. I, did, I like I, it. I did take three years of German, so I. <laughs> it's I'm been really a long not. time. Since, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, it's a long time since I spoke. I've spoken any. Oh. So, um, 
But uh, Fiorentina would go ahead and win this game by two goals to nil. Um, you know, impressed with Fiorentina's run, you know, given the kind of the the circumstances that they're playing under. Um, and then, you know, comment on Crotone a little bit. Uh, I'm just not seeing the fight in these guys all of a sudden. Yeah, I mean, let's let go to Crotone first. I don't know what's happened. For most better part of the season, they were playing with a lot of gumption, if you will. They were fighting tooth and nail with every team they are playing. Uh, whenever teams went down to Crotone to play them at home, uh, they gave them everything, and usually they actually came away with some wins. But as of late, it just seems like they've lost their momentum. I just I, I think it was that one result against uh, was it Spal at home that they lost, I think it was, or something. Well, I mean, when they 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 crushed Sampdoria four one, right? Yeah, and but you when think... you look when you look at the game surrounding it, they lost at home. They lost at Benevento. Everybody's beating Benevento. They lost at home to Spal, which is critical, right, right? Which is going to be crushing to their to their hopes. Um, you know, when you're talking when 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 this all completely plays out, but then uh, you know. Okay, Roma's just better, uh, so they lose at home to Roma, but uh, but but they they lose here two uh, nil to uh, to Fiorentina. So um, they have a game uh, in hand on on uh, Spal, but I mean their their game in hand is against Torino. That doesn't it's not it's, did you see what Torino just did to Cagliari? So it's not going to be easy game there. No, I don't understand what's going on there. Maybe they just the uh, the miracle run is coming to an end. I don't know because uh, right now they're in a relegation zone and. Spall is starting to get some results now. Uh, their, their players are starting to show up and and get them goals, and and they're getting out the they're getting draws when you know early in the season they're losing. And Crotone on the flip side, when they were getting some points, now they're just losing games, and uh, maybe the the momentum and the 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 energy is just gone from them. They they probably resigned to going to Serie B now. Marco Capuano somehow keeps finding work in Serie A. He uh... yeah. He got the uh, the double yellow. Uh, was sent off in the fifty seventh minute. Um, you know he was he was on those Catania teams, and he was shocking for them too. Um, a few years back, uh, that's where I that's where I if I remember you because you if, if I remember you because you suck, it's not a good thing. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, I mean because if if I remember you because you suck, you had to be really really bad. I, you know, if if you were like marginally poor, it's like okay, you know, I don't remember you, and I'm not going to, and you're you're you're, you're lucky. But if I if if you if there's an all time crap on or like crap on a cracker team for like the last decade, Marco Capuano was on it. Okay, that's that's how bad <laughs> this guy is, and somehow he's supposed to be one of the saviors of Crotone for their survival homes. But uh, Federico Chiesa, I mean, I think it was just more than this goal. He was pretty influential in this game. Yeah, and like you were saying, like. Earlier, and I kind of got off the rails with thinking about Crotone, but uh, the the run that Fiorentina's been on now, ever since the, you know the tragedy, uh, it's it's great to see. You kind of wish that, it, like I said before, that they, they this run has started earlier. Um, but you know, it's it's led by their youngsters, uh, the the Wunderkind, like you said, uh, Federico Chiesa, the the golden child, uh, and Giovanni Simeone, and and uh, their French their French laden team with Veratu and and, and Toro. Uh, they're getting it done, and it's it's you know. It starts with the back where they're not leaking up and leaking any goals, and then they're actually getting some scoring opportunities now, and um, they're getting these results. They're uh, it's they're they're saving Pioli's job is really what they're doing because uh, uh, I didn't think he was going to be able to stick around next year, but if he they continue this run, maybe they give him another chance. Um, they're not a team. Fiorentina is not a place where you think they're going to be 
a quick quick to pull the trigger on the on the on the coach and so uh if this is um fruits of the labor of Pioli's you know hard work and getting the guys to focus on and be a team uh then uh yeah it's 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 good to see and maybe this is a glimpse of what we're going to see next year hopefully for the entire campaign right and uh you know certainly not eh well, 44 points there there's a chance there's a there chance there's a chance imagine if they got that yeah you know it's 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 not out of the question let's just uh you know let's just leave it at that so uh but certainly got to maintain the form that they've been in uh, but yeah, I mean, Stefano Pioli has been has done a fantastic job with this team. Um, you know, when when you consider all of the departures that they had, we thought we thought that okay, they're gonna they're gonna end up finishing top half. Th- they've probably run the course we expected them to run, but they're in yeah. eighth and they're six points out of the European places. I don't think we were going to think. I don't think that at any point I think they would get that close. So. And considering the circumstances, it's a fantastic job that Pioli has done for his team uh, to keep them, you know, level-headed, and they're playing for him and for the for the city. So, uh, yeah, it's 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 great to see by the Viola. Excellent, Genoa and Spal. Tell us about it. Yeah, this was an, uh, a very interesting one. Uh, the twenty-eighth minute, Gianluca Lapadula. Well, uh, for just maybe a couple people in attendance, <laughs> that's about it. Not 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 the uh, neutral fans, just the Spal and Genoa, Genoa fans. Um, yeah. The 28th minute, uh, Gianluca Labadula danced around the def- dance around the goalie, I should say. Uh, he shoots it on goal. It's cleared off the line. Genoa's claiming that they scored a goal. They go to VAR. VAR says no goal. However, there was a foul. And uh, Zvikari gets a red card for shoving down Lapadula after the shot. Um, that led to a penalty shot. Uh, Lapadula would take step up and take it, and he would get the goal. Genoa would be up one nothing. Um, a crazy turn of events there, Frank. Uh, you know they go to VAR to check to see if he had crossed the line. I mean, and to us because we had the the the, the privy of, of seeing replays, we knew it wasn't in, but. Um, referee didn't know that, so they went and they saw that, and he kept looking at the t- tape, and he saw that Lapadula was shoved down and gave the red because uh, the defender was the last guy in in line for the goal, so it stopped a clear opportunity, clearly a clear scoring opportunity. Uh, so it was just a crazy turn of crazy turn of events there in, in those two minute span. Yeah, um, but I think it was yeah, it was the clear scoring opportunity where Lapadula was brought down, and that's what the referee saw, and I think right. it was right. Yeah. Um, I think they got it right through use of VAR. So, um, and then Lapadula converting the penalty. Good for him. Um, yeah. You know, it's been kind of a roller coaster season for him, um, being on loan uh, from Milan. Uh, and you know, as a Milan supporter, you know, let's just face it with 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 the money and with the level and the prestige that Milan are trying to get to, you know, Lapadula is certainly not going to be a striker that that breaks that team. Uh, but for the time that Milan had him, I, I appreciated his work ethic and his commitment. So I, I, he's he's someone I always want to see do well. I agree. No, I couldn't agree more. Um, and this one, it was kind of looking like all Genoa up until about the hour mark, uh, when Spall had a very lightning quick counter, uh, and the goal ended up getting scored by Manuel Lazzari in the smallest of angles past Mattia Perrin. Frank, that was a very soft goal given up by Perrin. Um, 
it's very unlike him. Maybe he didn't expect him to take the shot or or the ball to go on target. I, I, usually he gets those easily. Yeah, and I was very surprised because when you look at the situation, Genoa 1-0 up uh, with a man advantage and an informed goalkeeper, uh, I would have clearly thought, okay, they're, they're going to wrap this up and Spall's going to be in trouble. But it didn't happen that way. And, um, you know, it was, uh, it, was a, it, was a, it was a bad error there by uh, – I, I think it was an error more by Petting than, yes. than, than, than praising Lazzari. I mean, it's a good goal by Lazzari, uh, you know, and, and good on him to take the chance. But reality is, um, you know, that, that, that's one you normally expect a player of Mattia Petting's quality to save. Yeah, and both teams would share the spoils. This would be a 1-1 draw, and for the neutral, it wasn't much to watch, but I guess uh, for the, the the diehard fans of Genoa and Spa, it was a very interesting game. Let's put it that way. Sure, absolutely. Absolutely. Moving ahead, uh, the race for fourth uh, will be spotlighted over the next couple of games. Uh, we talked about Milan's failings in terms of putting any pressure on these two teams, uh, but prior to Milan's defeat at Juventus, Inter hosted Hellas Verona, and uh, quick thinking by Ivan Perisic and Moro Icardi led to this. Fallo laterale, rimessa in gioco allora per Perisic, un assist, Icardi, Icardi, il gol, 36 secondi, 36 secondi, Icardi, l'Inter in vantaggio. I don't even think Hellas Verona was on the pitch yet, Richard. <laughs> no, I know, they started winning the game. Uh, what a freaking pass by Perisic there, huh? The throw-in, yeah. Yeah, breakaway pass for Icardi and get the one-touch goal. It's great. Yep, yep, right in the first minute, and that put uh, Inter ahead in, by a goal to nil. Uh, 13th minute, Ivan Perisic would get his goal. Ivan Perisic was dealing in this game. Yeah, uh, 2-0 uh, for the Nerazzurri, and that's how it would be at halftime, and then it would be Ivan Perisic again with a pinpoint ball uh, across the box uh, to the uh, towards the back post where Icardi is there to slide it in. Uh, Inter 3, Hellas Verona 0. No fight whatsoever from Hellas Verona in this game. Um, It's as if they just said, you know what, this is not where we're going to get our opportunity to climb out of this relegation problem. But uh, let's let's put you on the spot and ask you the tough question. Uh, uh, Better performance, Papu Gomez from Atalanta or Ivan Perisic for Inter? Oh, Papu Gomez was dealing, uh, but... Uh, I gotta give the slight, slightest advantage to Perisic because that pass from the the throw in that led to a breakaway. I mean, you, how often do you see a throw in pass that gets led to a, an assist for a goal? Mm. It's very rare. Both players are special on on this day. Uh, don't get me wrong, Papu Gomez is brilliant. It was just, the only reason he didn't score is because the goalkeeper. But uh, Perisic, he was getting goal. He got a goal and he got two assists. So uh, uh, good for him. So uh, yeah, I, I give a slight advantage to Perisic. How mm. about you? I, I, I'm going to go with Perisic too, but it's close. Both of them have been. Both of them were terrific. So yeah. Um, but uh, but but indeed, uh, I like. Um, uh, you know, I I, I I liked how they performed in this game. They just they looked so dominant. I mean, they were helped by the fact that Hellas Verona just looked like they didn't even care. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was uh, disappointing for a team that needs to fight for something at this point and trying to fight for the Serie A lives to try to get in there and get something. They probably just came to the conclusion, hey, we're getting nothing out of this one. Yeah. Let's worry about the other games. Well, let's look at their other games You know, while we're at it. I mean, if you're, you're not going to get anything from going to Inter, uh, let's see what's next for them. And that, that, it's probably reasonable. They go to Benevento next. 
Oh, um, that's 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 at midweek. Then they host Cagliari, and then they're at Bologna, and then they host Sassuolo. So, so they know what they were talking about, maybe. Yeah, and they probably <laughs> said, let's let's throw this one out, and let's put our attention here over the next five to six games, because at Genoa and hosting Spa before they travel to Milan. So um, before they have a closing kick of at Milan, hosting Udinese, and then at Juve. So mm. they know that their season probably exists over those, over those next six league games. Yeah. Uh, and that it did not that there were no points to be found here uh, at Inter. So that's probably some of the argument that you can make for Verona being so inept and being so poor, but you'd like to see something out of them. You know, Um, it's hard for me to, you know, and this is not me being a Milan fan bashing Inter. It's hard (laughs) for me to give Inter a proper grade here when the other team just was so poor. Inter could have gone out there and scored 12. Um, And that, that's just how that, and especially that's how connected Icardi and Pedisic were in this game. So, um, but, uh, well, but, none, but nonetheless, go ahead. Did you have something on this? I was going to say, yeah, well, well I, it's hard to find something good for, to say about Inter in this game. I will give him praise on a couple of things. There's a couple of fun facts about this. Uh, uh, Inter found their fastest goal in the current league. This goal took 35 seconds. The Nerazzurri have scored a goal in the first minute of play in their first time, for the first time since February, 2007, uh, can you guess who scored that? February two thousand seven. That's the run. Oh, Brazilian uh, Adriano. Perfect, exactly. Adriano versus Chievo in uh, two thousand seven, and then stat number two. Uh, oh, your Mar- enemy. That's right. <laughs> Mauro Icardi is only the third Inter player to score at least twenty four goals in back to back Syria campaigns after Stefano Nyers in ninety in nineteen forty nine fifty and fifty fifty one. And Giuseppe Miazza, 29-30 and 1930-31. And talk about elite company, Frank. Yes, it's uh, very impressive. Uh, and where would Inter be without his goals? You just have to wonder. So Nowhere. We saw that in a couple of weeks that he was gone. Uh, they look like a shamble. I mean, not only are we talking about a fourth-place race here, Richard, we're talking about a Capocaniniere race when we talk about Moro Icardi. He did yeah. his work. Who's the other challenger in this one? Let's talk about that game. Yeah, so uh, we had Lazio hosting Benevento. Uh, this is, uh, you would think it would be a cakewalk for Lazio. It didn't start out that way. Um, so Chiri Mobile, he had a one-on-one with Christian Pugioni in the ninth minute. Early on, uh, he tries to chip it over the keeper who blocks it with his hands. One problem, Frank. Uh, he was outside of the box. And Pujoni gets a straight red, and the witches are quickly down to ten men. Um, it would take Immobile just ten more minutes to get his and Lazio off the board, uh, but were they really going off to the races? Uh, four minutes after Immobile had scored, ten men Benevento peg one back to level it at one goal with a goal from Danilo Cataldi. One-one. Uh, okay, it's ten men. The down. Lazio, the Lazio Loney. Exactly, yeah, yeah, he's going yep. on his old team. Uh, Benevento, though, was on for the shock in the 51st minute when Guillerme scores and suddenly bookies are taking bets left and right. We were on for a shock score, Frank, uh, but that would only last about uh, nine minutes or so. And then we had goals from Felipe Caicedo, Stefan de Vrij, Chido Immobile would get his brace, Lucas Leva would score, and then to cap it all off, we had a spot kick from Luis Alberto, 6-2 drubbing against a 10-man Benevento. Lazio uh, were, were, in, were in a very scoring mode in this one. <laughs> Did they need the penalty? 
It didn't, <laughs> but they're just rubbing it in. Oh man, weeks of um, frustration getting just getting let it vent out. But this is Lazio. I mean, yeah, they're gonna yeah. They, they're gonna score like crazy. That's how they're set up. This is not they, their first six goal game this year. They've done it before. They, they're helter skelter. But they also, to... but they also concede goals, and they concede yeah. really silly goals. Yep. Uh, you know, and I think that that's why Inter certainly will have a stronger case for the fourth place finish than Lazio will. And if Milan can continue to get on the run, I could see Milan overtaking Lazio for you know for fifth, um, especially if Milan win this derby on Wednesday. But yeah, I have I, I still you know. They, the problem with Lazio, for all the talent that they have and for the job that Simone and Zaghi does, they switch off way too much. Um, more than you'd like to see, for yeah, sure. Yeah, more, more than you'd like to see. And, uh, you know, fortunately for them, they switched back on and they ran riot, uh, you know, here in the second half and, and, and basically did what they, they should be expected to do against a team like Benevento. Chiro Immobile getting a brace. So he's got 26, uh, and Icardi now has 24. Uh, so, and uh, if we go and look at the uh, Immobile goal tracker, uh, that puts him on pace to score 33. So he would not get to, mm. he's not get, he, I don't think, I, I, I don't see him catching Iguain's record at this point. No, not at this point. So, we don't have to say anything about Benevento, do we? No, they gave a valiant effort when it was down to 10 men to get to two goals, but, uh, yeah, they they got destroyed. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much sealed. So, yeah. So I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, do this hi- I'll do this highlight for you because uh, if, if, if you do it, you're just going to make everyone uncomfortable. Uh, Chievo, <laughs> Chievo hosting Sampdoria. Um, we've been just hammering at Chievo. Uh, over the last several weeks, a team that's just been in total free fall, taking on a Sampdoria team that, you know, have had a very impressive campaign under Marco Giampaolo with an issue, uh, with a slight issue of, of being able to perform in road matches. Matter of fact, coming into this game, uh, had dropped back-to-back road games at Milan uh, and then at Crotone. Uh, though a impressive win at Roma, you know, maybe they're not in... In, in bad road form again, but we always talked about Sampdoria being the team that uh, great at home, uh, questionable on the road. Uh, well, Sampdoria would go ahead through Fabio Quagliarella on a penalty in the 26th minute uh, and take that lead into halftime by a goal to nil. Uh, Chievo, though, came storming back uh, in equalizer through Lucas Castro in the 62nd minute, uh, and then they pull ahead in the 79th through Peperim Hetemai, uh, though it did go to VAR. Um, and I think that Richard, I wasn't clear on what exactly happened here, uh, but the thought was that perhaps, you know, Hetemai ended up scoring a goal that, you know, might have originated as a cross, that it just ended up curling uh, and going beyond, uh, going beyond the Sampdoria goalkeeper Viviano and into the back of the net. Uh, they wanted to have a look at this. I think there was a Kievo forward uh, on the play that might have been an off- in an offside position that might have intervered- intervened with the play. Um, they took a look at it, decided that there was no intervention, the goal would stand, and Kievo goes on to win 2-1 and add to uh, Sampdoria's road woes three straight away defeats mm. uh, for Sampdoria now. Uh, this 
all of a sudden disappointing road form coming at a very bad time when they were mounting a um, a, European, a Europa League campaign. Uh, they sit ninth. They're on 44 points with Fiorentina and Atalanta ahead of them. Uh, but, Richard, let's start with Kievo. Uh, Rolando Maran gets to keep the house for another week, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. And uh, it seems like uh, maybe they were just in beach mode and then they realized what was at stake. And they're like, all right, we need to get a win now. And they got a win against Sampdoria, which is a good win. Uh, Sampdoria are in poor form right now, obviously. But, um, yeah, we uh, somehow Moran still has his job. And um, he's making us look like morons by talking about it because he's, he's, still, he's still there. Teams winning and they're out of the relegation zone for now. Uh, so yeah, good for Kievo. They should not be in the relegation battle, but they are, and they found some way to get get the results. And um, maybe this will just maybe the, maybe the last couple of weeks have just woke them up and realized, you know what, we need to start playing if we want to survive in Syria because it's gonna be embarrassing if they get if they go down. What is it with Sampdoria all of a sudden? <laughs> I don't know, man. Them and Udinese, it's something they just just dropped off the face here after like you know we're not playing anymore. I don't know. I don't get it. It's Silly mistakes, giving up silly goals, um, not playing well at all in any phase of the game, really. Um, even Viviana. Viviana's been playing horribly the last two months. Yeah, yeah so, he's been poor. I don't know what's going on with them, really. I, I don't know if it's something in the locker room that's causing all this or, or what. It's very odd to me that a team was, that was playing so well, uh, even when they even when they weren't uh, continuing with the wins, they, they, were playing, they were playing good, they were getting goals. Qualiarella's goals are dried up. Torreira's not playing well. Um, it's just the whole team is playing very poor right now. Sixes yeah. and sevens. It's it's a shame, too. Uh, it's a shame because you certainly do expect uh, a little bit more out of them. Um, well, let's wrap up this match week 30 slate, Richard. We have Sassuolo and Napoli. Yeah, on paper, uh, this looked like a great opportunity for Napoli to continue in their Scudetto fight to try to get some points and catch up to Juve. Um, however, this one was a lot more difficult than they thought, um, not just with the scoreline, but also with the physical play in this, in this one. Um, the goals started early, and, oh, the goals started early, I should say, uh, when Matteo Politano scored in the 22nd minute for, for Sassuolo, not Napoli. Uh, Napoli is down at this point. Um, you can be forgiven for that because I know every time we talk about Napoli, we just assume they score all the time. Yeah, yeah, and it's just lately the goals have dried up, and I don't know if it's uh, the tension of you know coming down to the wire and 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 seeing the seeing the opportunity slip past you. I don't know, but um, give it to Sassuolo. They played them very tough. They had several yellows in this one. Uh, we had yellows from Federico Peluso in this one. Domenico Berardi had a yellow. Uh, Eduardo Godaniga. Um, Francesco Casata and also uh, Antonio Ragusa had uh, yellows in this one, so they were playing uh, Napoli very tough. They were clearly trying to stifle them, stifle the, uh, the attack that Napoli have. Um, Napoli did, of course, boss the possession sixty-five percent to thirty-five percent. But you know, um, uh, the the goalie uh, Andrea Consigli for 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 Sassuolo, he kept them in the game. He had two or three, maybe even four big saves that kept Napoli off the score sheet. Uh, it looked like we were maybe in for a shock, a, a massive shock result, um, and then, you know, going late into the game, and finally in the 80th minute, uh, Jose Maria Callejon uh, would get Napoli on the board, one-one, uh, 10 minutes to spare. Could they get it? They pushed, they pushed, uh, but it was not to be, and Napoli dropped two more points again in a, in a pivotal race. 
that looks like to be over. I mean, it, it, there's no other way to put it. Juve keep winning and, and Napoli keep drawing. Uh, they're what four points now separation. It doesn't look very good for for Napoli at this point. Maybe maybe just uh, too much of the pressure got to them finally, and and that's the only thing I can explain that all these goals have dried up lately. They could have lost this game. They could um, well, yeah. They already had a sitter that he missed um, uh, as as well. Uh, that would have put Sassuolo two 0 up uh, in the second half before yeah. Callejon's equalizer. So. Um, our friend James McGee, which congratulations, James, on the baby. Yes, congratulations, sir. Beautiful girl. Um, uh, he, uh, I think I saw him tweeting, and I'm paraphrasing, uh, they look tired. Um, product of uh, not having a lot of rotation. Um, and it's, you know, it's all finally catching up to everybody. And uh, they're just not as sharp as they were at the beginning of the season. Um, yeah. So... You know, and that's gonna that's gonna happen, and I think that that's just another element of of, of why I think this is Hubei's title. I mean, uh, just the, the, the just not being able to keep everybody fresh. I mean, look at Allegri. How many players is he rotating uh, at Juventus right now? Yeah. I mean, he's yeah. he's rotating nineteen, twenty, eighteen, nineteen, twenty players. You know, where Saudi are rotating every game. Yeah, I mean, where Saudi is rotating maybe fifteen, and that makes over the. And 16, maybe 16, and maybe that doesn't sound like a big difference, but when you measure that out over the course of the season, when you measure that out over nearly eight months of football now, um, that takes its toll. Um, you know, three, so, three tournaments, yeah. Yeah, exactly, and all the competitions, and in most cases, in just about at least half of that time playing a game every three days, um, it it has its it, it, it'll have its impact. So, you know, I think we're seeing a a, a a Napoli team that's on fumes. Um, and uh, uh, I, I see more dropped points for them here before before the end of it. I don't know if they are going to have it in them to, to, to mount one last charge. Uh, in, it, it, it might not separate. In, in hot take here, Richard, Juventus could end up winning this title by at least eight points. Yeah, they very well could be. Uh, uh, Napoli, Napoli will have to win at Juventus and then hope that some other team gets a result against Juventus because it's not very likely. The way Juventus is playing right now, giving up only one goal in 2018, uh, they, they have, they're they on a mission, and, it, and it's clear because uh, the way they're playing, they're attacking. Allegri with the substitutions in the game against Milan, it just shows they want it. It seems like they want it more right now, and they're fresher. It's the rotation. You, we, we, we say this too much, but it can't be said enough, really, because it's true. Uh, look, how much, look how fresh the Juventus players look compared to the Napoli players. Exactly. You know, exactly. You hate to beat a dead horse, but and Hellas Verona could take some notes on 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 how Sassuolo performed against you know a, yeah. a top team. Uh, they played as if this this was their season. They they performed as if this was their season. They needed. They knew they needed that. They would have loved to have had the three points. They're going to settle for the one in the end. It's going to be a valuable one from Napoli. You know, in their bid to stay, um, you know, because stay safe. They're only four points off the drop as well. Uh, so, um, you know, and looking ahead for the Nero Verde, if they can find some motivation from this, they go to Kievo midweek, a uh, huge game there, uh, yeah. before, before going to Milan on sun next on Sunday. And then they host Benevento at Verona. So they have a chance to really give themselves some breathing room and get themselves some distance here, uh, in terms of the, uh, in terms of the relegation, uh, 
you know, scrap that they're in. So, so yeah, so, uh, good to see Politano getting back on the score sheet. Um, Ferrari really should have had one there. Uh, but, um, you know, this was kind of the, what we saw in this game from Sassuolo was the Sassuolo we had hoped to see all season. And we've just only seen it in bits and spurts. Yeah, and uh, Sassuolo, you know, they've been the absolute disappointment of the season for so, so far, and uh, for good reason because there's a lot of talent on the team, and they're just not performing well at all. Uh, but they're finally starting to get some results here, and if they can end the season on a good note, uh, maybe they can put 20, 27, 18, 2017, 2018 behind them and uh, regroup for next year. Uh, but it's two; it'll be two seasons in a row at the towards the bottom of the table. It's um, it's not a. They gotta find something, some some way to come out of this because it's uh, it's it's not where they should be at all, uh, not whatsoever. They got too much talent on that team. Indeed, indeed. Um, so just looking at the table here, uh, before we move on, I mean, let's just we we've talked about fourth place right now. Uh, Inter and Inter and Lazio a point apart. Inter with a game in hand. Yep. Uh, Roma falling back into that a little bit, only getting a point. Um, they're on 60, so they're, they're not altogether safe in this yeah, right now. Yeah. Um, you know, and then, uh, looking a little bit, you know, we talked about the sixth spot. Milan might still think they can get fourth, but they better worry about hanging on to six with Atalanta on their tail and Fiorentina Sampdoria not too far behind. Um, and then, uh, working our way towards the bottom, it's still going to be very, very interesting from that perspective. It's, uh, and Genoa's safe at 13th, but when you look at 14th through 18th, uh, that's a five-point difference uh, with five teams there. So Cagliari, Chievo, Sassuolo, Spal, and Cotone. You got Hellas Verona there on 22 points who still are in it with a shout. This relegation fight is is every bit as interesting as everything else that's going on at the top, which is uh, which means all of these teams are going to have to have to be motivated, and that's the. That's the beauty of, of league football, um, you know, in this sport compared to sports that we get here in the United States, you know, right. professional absolutely. basketball, you're in last, you're tanking for getting a better, you're, you're tanking in hopes that you can get a better draft pick. You know, you can't tank. <laughs> you, know, you can, but you'll be in a lower division. <laughs> yeah. You're going to drop down and your club's going to lose a lot of money. Um, and in, in all likelihood, you're going to be looking at your man. The manager's going to be looking for work. The players are going to be looking for work. Yeah. Um, you know, so. That, that that that's what makes this sport great. So these 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 bottom teams just they all have they all have to fight for something, which is great. Um, so uh, lots to lots to fight for. And then uh, Capo Caninieri, are you still sticking? You think Icardi can come from behind and grab this thing from Immobile? I mean, we hey. picked Icardi at the beginning of the season. Are we sticking? Yeah, with Yeah, based on current form, I think it can happen. I mean, Immobile is still playing very well. I'm still gonna go with Icardi. I'm gonna ride him until the end. Uh, I, I like the way him and Perisic are playing right now, and uh, if they can continue that form, um, he's going to have a lot more goals in him. Now, it doesn't mean Immobile's not going to get the goals because he's obviously scoring them uh, in handfuls. So, uh, yeah, it'll be an interesting race. It'll be uh, – no one's going to catch those two. Uh, you know, Dybala, Cagliarella is going to get 20. I don't know. His, his goals have dried up. Mertens, same thing. Uh, Higuain, I don't see him catching the, the three before him, and so – um. Yeah, it's 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 an interesting race for sure between the top two at least. Yep. Do you think you think Icardi's gonna get it? I picked Icardi, so I'm gonna stick with Icardi. He's just not gonna. I just don't want him to score against Milan this week. And he goes yeah, after that. Yeah, he can go yeah. score all he wants. So yeah, exactly. If Inter can lose a lot of 
four or three games from here on out, that that that's a perfect world, and Milan can win. <laughs> so, your thoughts on the relegation battle, on the fight for the cha- remaining Champions League places? Play, so many things to fight for here in Serie A. Uh, what do you think? Talk to us at Serie A Sit Down on Twitter uh, or Instagram. Let's uh, wrap this thing up with a quick Euro preview. All right, let's just reset uh, what we were talking about with uh, our three teams remaining in European competition here, Richard. Uh, starting with Tuesday, we have Roma traveling traveling to the Camp Nou, taking on Barcelona. Uh, I think last we checked, I think Barcelona is going to beat them 3-0. Um, I don't think it'll be any worse than that. I think that Roma will certainly give a fight here. Uh, but I think that Barcelona is going to be a little too much, and I think that you thought that the game at the Camp Nou was going to be a little closer. Um, yes. You still believe that? I do. Okay. Um, I don't think the the result by Bologna, against Bologna was uh, indicative of how they're going to play, and I think they're going to give a good performance and shock many people by making it closer than uh, than what we are led to believe with how Barcelona typically play at Camp Nou. Okay, okay. Uh, so I think we're 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 apart on that one. Uh, Wednesday, Juventus, Real Madrid. Uh, I think Juventus are going to win. Um, I don't tell me why. Uh, I don't have an exact uh, formula for this. Um, but like I said, they've done this before against Real Madrid in a two-legged environment where they were able to overcome them over two games. I get that that 4-1 drubbing in Cardiff is fresh on everybody's mind, and I would I would get the recency bias if you wanted to go against Juventus on Wednesday. But I think they're going to find a way to win this game. Um, and I'm, I'm going to go 2-1. I think I said 1-0 on the knee-jerk prediction, but I'm going to say 2-1. You're not going to keep Real Madrid out. But I think that Juve can do enough to beat them. How do you, how do you see this? I originally, I was thinking 2-1, but um, I'm actually changed my tune a little bit, and I think I'm going to go with 2 nothing for Juventus at home. Okay. I think they're going to find a way just to lock up, shock at home, lock up shop at home uh, and get the goals that they need. Uh, maybe Dybala's going to get on the score sheet on this one, being at home. Uh, then when it gets on the road, it'll be a little trickier, but uh, I'm going to go 2 nothing. How do they stop Ronaldo this time? Uh, it's at midfield. The midfield's got to they got to help out the defense. It can't be the defense alone on him because he will tear them apart. Um, you know, you know, get, whether it's a combination of Kadira, Pjanic, and and Matuidi or whoever, uh, they need to have a guy almost man marking him and watching him where he goes, and just have you know the other two midfielders dedicated to the rest of the team because uh, he will tear you apart or he'll find a way to tear you apart. Um, he's done it to on the international level and he's done it in in um, for the club team as well. So. Uh, He's he's the informed man at the moment in the world, so man mark him as best you can. That's what I would say. Shadow him. Yeah, uh, I don't know about man marking because it's 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 I I don't know who they have available to man. I I, I they, they certainly have to do a better job than they did in Cardiff. Uh, I think Matuidi would have the legs for it. Mm, I don't know if you're going to pull him out of the midfield to do that. I mean, the other thing is, is I think Ronaldo's going to get to roll too, so it's just going to be hard to t- have a guy just. It'll be up to the Chase him religiously to help out all too. over the pitch. Yeah, um, I, I could see. You know, we'll see what Allegri does. Do you think he plays a three-man defense like he did against Milan here, or do you think he goes with? Or he go, does he go with four? He should go four, three, two, one, or something like that. Or, 
or something. But he needs a three-man midfield for sure. And I think he, I think they're better off with four because of the speed that Roma, uh, Roma, Real Madrid have uh, along the uh, along the wings with the um, the, the wing backs that they have. So uh, it's best, it's safer to play with four backs, four four four-man backfield, and then a three-man midfield. Yep. Yep, they definitely need to be in a three-man midfield. Having two, uh, playing a two-man midfield this time around against that, uh, you know, against what Real Madrid throws at you. But it's also going to be what Zidane might come out with because Zidane went to Paris playing with two defensive midfielders. Um, you know, he had Kovacic next to Casemiro, and it was a masterstroke. And I get that PSG didn't have Neymar, but. Um, He's not afraid to go to that if he thinks that, that that's going to be the formula. So you could see that little wrinkle, um, you know, in the first leg simply because he's saying, hey, I've got to, you know, there's that matter of Dybala. I can't let him get into, in between the lines as easily as he was able to against Milan um, while trying to figure out how to get a, rack up some away goals to, to create an advantage heading back to the Bernabeu. So I'm not, you know, how Allegri adjusts to what Zidane throws at him too is going to be important. So... Um, and they can't have any uh, half halftime dressing room fights. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, and then the uh, Europa League on Thursday, Lazio, Red Bull, Salzburg. Uh, quick one on that. I'll go. Um, oh, Lazio's so weird. They're not going to shut them out. I'm going to go two one to Lazio though. I think they will win. Two one Lazio. I'm going to say that's something crazy. I'm going to go like three two Lazio. Okay. Big, big big lot of goals in that game then, huh? Yeah. It is Lazio. They're making it fun these days. So, <laughs> so no doubt about it. So, uh, and, and then midweek, uh, the rest of the match week, 27 games getting made up. You've got Atalanta and Sampdoria. That is a big one. Um, yeah. Uh, any other ones, uh, you know, catching your attention? Obviously, the derby we talked about. Uh, 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 but uh, how about a prediction on Atalanta Sampdoria? Ooh, uh... Atalanta, I think they got a three-one Atalanta. Okay, I I agree. I think Sampdoria's road form continues to continues to hurt them, and I think Atalanta. Uh, I, I'll say I'll say three-one as well. I, I don't think Atalanta will keep Sampdoria out, but I think that they'll win comfortably. So, um, rest of these games, yeah. Torino, Hampton, Crotone, Chievo. Chievo Sassuolo could be a relegation six-pointer. That's a six-pointer indeed. Um, I, I, I like Sassuolo if they can continue the momentum of what they yeah. how they performed against Napoli. I, I like them going to Ver- to Verona and uh, and pulling a result. I mean, ultimately, I think it'll be a draw. But if there's a team that's going to win this, it's going to be Sassuolo. Yeah, I think so. I agree with you on that because I like the way they've been playing lately compared to Kievo. So uh, I, I agree with that. I think Sassuolo. If, if someone's going to win, it's going to be uh, Sassuolo. All right. Okay. So with all that, that's going to put a bow on this edition of the Serie A sit down. Uh, social media check and shameless plug time. Richard, uh, the Andrea Balich uh, piece still coming along? That is on hold uh, just because uh, my Croatian is not very good and there's not many pieces uh, information on him on the English. Uh, so I have actually shifted over to his teammate, Seiko Fofana, okay. uh, working on him. Uh, I've been wanting to write, write about him for a while, and so I just thought I'd just do it now. And then uh, I just wrapped up a piece last week or so uh, on DC United, actually, and uh, on their uh, their hopes for this season's campaign in MLS. So, yeah, yeah, that yeah, those two things to go about. And you can find me as always anywhere on social media at r underscore k h a r m a n. Excellent, excellent indeed. And 
I am at FTC underscore 21, just hanging in there with this City I Sit Down podcast for now. However, uh, I will bring up, break out a Calcio consultant piece this week, uh, and it'll just basically talk about the league's the league run-in. Uh, thoughts on how the uh, Scudetto race is going to finish up, Chant- the, place, the uh, uh, Champions League places, Europa League places, and how I see relegation starting to shape out with maybe a few other hot takes. Um, I did uh, throw a couple of them here on this podcast, and uh, you're going to have to check the blog for the rest of it. So uh, I hope to have that out this week. Uh, so, hey, I'm going to write something, Richard, finally. <laughs> Bad time. Yay! Hey. <laughs> so I'm sure everybody's waiting with bated breath. Uh, but anyway, you can also go to at Sit Down on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, let us know if you uh, have any uh, topics or anything you want us to cover, any questions you want answered for a future podcast. So uh, for Richard, I'm Frank. Thank you very much for listening to us. And as always, be sure you tell your paisans about us. Ciao. Mia bella Madonnina, che te berrime de lontano, tu t'adore piscinina, ti te domine Milano, sotto a ti se vive la vita, se sta mai coi mani in mano, cantando lontano de Napoli se muore, ma poi vengono anche a Milano.